This is Larry Bertrand welcoming you again to another session of Explore the Bible series. We're in the book of Daniel. This is the third lesson scheduled for February the 6th, 2022. Believers must be careful to honor God in all things. So the key verses for this week are Daniel chapter 4, verses 28 to 37. And the memory verse is Daniel chapter 4, verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. So as we look at Daniel 4, 28 to 37, notice the difference in Nebuchadnezzar's perspective before and after his kingdom was taken from him. And we're going to focus on <clears throat> helping you consider ways that you can honor God in all the things of your life. Maybe you're remembering back on December the 28th, uh, a shock in the news, 2021, the famed player, coach, and TV commentator, John Madden, passed away at the age of 87. Shortly after his death, sports fans and fellow commentators, coaches, and the general public started pouring out remembrances of the larger-than-life man. In many of the social media posts, news articles, and interviews, it called him an humble man even after reaching the pinnacle of popularity. He took time to talk to people. He, When he spotted them in restaurants, uh, he would go over, sign autographs, and visit with people. So one of his most repeated quotes goes as follows. And he said a lot of things in his career, but this is the, one of the most repeated quotes. Self-praise is for losers. Be a winner. Stand for something. Always have class and be humble. So how would you describe John Madden? He was a, a an amazing guy. He, he, he feared flying, so he traveled by this uh, tailor-made bus for himself. He loved to have his Thanksgiving dinner and big feast on his uh, bus. Uh, but the thing that that he's most remembered for is that that quote: "Always have class and be humble." So today's lesson focuses on a well-known person who failed. <laughs> to remain humble, and we're gonna see it cost him quite a bit. So in this session, we're gonna look uh, for what it took Nebuchadnezzar to swallow his pride and acknowledge, honor, and glorify the one true God. So as we look at the, the context, chapters four, verses one, all the way to chapter five, verse 31, we're gonna see that Nebuchadnezzar uh, related how he had dreamed that that fr had a dream that frightened him, 
And none of the wise men uh, were able to interpret that for him. Daniel was able to understand his dream. He saw a magnificent tree that reached to the sky and brought blessing to many creatures. He heard a voice calling for the tree to be cut down. Only a stump with iron and bronze bands would remain. The object of the dream would experience great humiliation until he recognized God's supremacy. We see that in chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. So Daniel's interpretation of the king's dream is recorded in chapter 4, verses 19 to 26. Nebuchadnezzar had become exceedingly great, according to verse 22. However, he would experience great humiliation until he recognized God's sovereignty. Daniel stressed that the dream contained the possibility of the king's restoration, and he encouraged him to pursue righteousness, verse 26 and 27. A year later, as Nebuchadnezzar walked about his place, he reflected on his own greatness. Immediately he heard a voice from heaven announcing the fulfillment of his dream, that the, that the fulfillment of his dream had come. Nebuchadnezzar received the mind of an animal. In other words, he lost his mind or his judgment from God. When God restored the king's reason to him, the king reaffirmed God's greatness. Nebuchadnezzar took his seat on the throne of his kingdom again. And uh, with a proper perspective of his place in God's world. Many years later, King Belshazzar, king of Babylon, had a feast for a thousand of his nobles. He used sacred temple vessels from God's temple in Jerusalem to worship idols uh, as he partied. And suddenly a mysterious hand appeared and wrote words on the palace wall. Uh, The terrified king called for uh, the wisest of men to interpret, uh, but none of them could read. The queen suggested Belshazzar summon Daniel, uh, who could uh, interpret dreams. And Daniel first reminded Belshazzar of the great lesson in humility that his that the king's predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, had learned. Belshazzar had learned nothing from this, and instead he committed great evil. Daniel interpreted the writing on the wall. God was bringing judgment on Belshazzar, and the king was about to lose his kingdom. Indeed, the very, that very night, Belshazzar lost his kingdom and his life. So we begin with Daniel chapter 4, verses 28 through 30, where Nebuchadnezzar declares his pride. Uh, Let me help you to identify as we read, identify Nebuchadnezzar's perspective on the greatness of Babylon and his role in building it. 
uh, Nebuchadnezzar's role in building it. Verse 28, all this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. 12 months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, it is, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty. Notice the first person found throughout this passage. So as I'm looking at the Tyndale Bible commentary, it says, 12 months later, Nebuchadnezzar, true to type, was admiring the city, which was the culmination of his life work. And it was an achievement to be proud of by human standards. Laborers on the project might have been excused. However, uh, for re regarding with some cynicism, the king's claim to have built the city. I mean, his laborers did all the work. And uh, the and oppression had did nothing to increase the glory of his majesty. So we see in verse 30, the, the great Babylon, he says, I have built Nebuchadnezzar, carried out major building works in Babylon. As we look historically, the Euphrates was channeled into a number of canals passing through the city that gave a lot of water resources to the city. He embellished the major streets, especially the great procession way along which the images of the gods were drawn at festivals. Moreover, he did major work on the religious buildings of the city. And then we see, according to later historians, he built a luxurious palace with its hanging terrace gardens, which was identified as one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, though recent studies by scholars have suggested it was actually Sennacherib's building in Nineveh that was a, a, one of the wonders of the world. Regardless, his building activity was extensive and it was legendary. The prophet Jeremiah reminds us that our boasting should be in God, not in ourselves. So Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 reads, this is what the Lord says, let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. So how can a person avoid the trappings of his or her own success? Does a person have to be successful to fall into the trappings of pride? No, I, I think we can all be guilty of pride regardless of how successful we or others are.
might consider us to be. We move now to the second section of Scripture, Daniel chapter 4, verses 31 to 33. The reality is defined in this passage. Uh, we'll note the contrast between Nebuchadnezzar as king and Nebuchadnezzar as an animal. Verse 31, even as the words were on his lips, the words of pride that I read earlier, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from the people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like an ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and give them to anyone he, he which wishes. Immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from the people and ate grass like an ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. Again, in the Tyndale commentary, by ignoring all warning, Nebuchadnezzar brought disaster upon himself. His own boasting was interpreted by a voice from heaven understood to be the voice of God, the Most High, some translations say, and addressed the king by name. So uh, he, had to, he had to know God was talking about him. The words of Daniel's warning are repeated, but with the preface, the kingdom has departed from you. Jewish legend relates that during the period of the king's madness, uh, state officials took Amel Marduk, Maruk, Marduk and made him king in his father's place. However, Nebuchadnezzar returned and Sennacherib uh, through his and and subjects through his son into prison for life, holding him responsible for the act of infidelity. Even after Nebuchadnezzar's death, so the story goes, it was only when the corpse had been dragged through the streets that Amel Marduk would be ascending to his throne. So how does what happened to Nebuchadnezzar remind us of our plight apart from God and his grace. Pride goes before the fall and we see that um, God removed, because of his pride, God removed from Nebuchadnezzar uh, all semblance of uh, respect and, and his responsibilities were taken from him. Looking at the third section 
where honor is given, referring to Nebuchadnezzar's honor again towards God. We see in chapter 4, verses 34 to 37, as I read this, listen for how restoration came to Nebuchadnezzar. And I want you to uh, consider the state of mind that is found here for Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of time, verse 34, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Remember, he had the mind of an animal. Now his sanity is restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you to do? What have you done? At the same time, verse 36 says, that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were restored to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. But I, Nebuchadnezzar, listen to this, but I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. So what does his use of the phrase my sanity restored to me suggest. Uh, sanity might have been translated knowledge or the power of knowing could be in his right mind. You know, the uh, young man, the prodigal came to his senses <laughs> and God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to come to his senses. So let me lead you to identify the characteristics of God that Nebuchadnezzar outlined in his praise to God. So he, he calls him, look at these words, everlasting, far-reaching. He refers to him as the God who is complete, the God who is vast, his, his knowledge, his power, his ability is vast. So in the New Bible Commentary, it says that when the seven years, uh, which is what is probably considered the period of time that transpired, when, when the seven years or had come to an end of time, Nebuchadnezzar, with his sanity restored, what does he do? He praises the Most High. The king who had sought honor and glory for himself 
now acknowledge that the Most High lives forever. The king confesses that God's dominion, God's dominion is eternal, that his kingdom endures forever. Thus he acknowledges God's sovereign authority. God is the one who's in control of all things. So Nebuchadnezzar also acknowledges acknowledge God's irresistible will. He does as he pleases with the power, powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. Also, the king confesses that man is answerable to God, not God to man, for no one can stop God and no one has a right to question him. Wow, what a powerful bit of information and knowledge Nebuchadnezzar comes to understand. We see in verse 36 and 37 that the the king's acknowledgement of God's right to rule brought him, brought about, number one, the restoration of the king's sanity. (laughs) That would be a very nice place to come to. The restoration of his throne. He's back ruling his kingdom. Having been humbled before God, Nebuchadnezzar rose, it says in scripture, to a greater height of honor than he had known when he walked in pride. Wow. And said he praised, exalted, and glorified who? He glorifies the king of heaven. He honors and glorifies the king of heaven. The verbs indicate continued action. I I will continue to praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven, the continued action. It suggests Nebuchadnezzar did these things habitually. These verbs embody the idea of reverence, respect, honor, admiration, and worship. So since Nebuchadnezzar said said that these attributes or attitudes characterized his life, it may have concluded that he experienced, if you will, regeneration, becoming, wow, a child of God, one commentary says. Nebuchadnezzar did confess that what God had done in dealing with him was right and just. This certainly, this certainly, this is certainly not acknowledged by one who continues in rebellion. So the king also admitted that he had walked, here's that word again, in pride, but had been humbled by his experience. This too would testify to a transformation in Nebuchadnezzar's character through a newfound knowledge of God. There seems to be prophetic 
significance in this incident as well as in chapter 3, even though God had appointed Gentiles to a place of prominence in the program, yet most nations and people walked in rebellion against God. This attitude is graphically described in Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 and 3. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. God would deal with the nations to humble them and bring them into subjection to him. So as we review Nebuchadnezzar, recall that Nebuchadnezzar had experienced three encounters with God. The the first one is found in Daniel chapter 2, where Daniel interprets the king's dream and Nebuchadnezzar said to him, your God is indeed God of gods, Lord of kings, and revealer of mysteries, since you are able to reveal this to me. Then we see in chapter 3, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are rescued from the fiery furnace, he says, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angels and rescued his servants who trusted in him. But now we see in Daniel chapter 4, the prideful king's sentence and restoration. After that, now Nebuchadnezzar praise, exalt, exalt and glorify the king of the heavens because all his works are true and his ways are just. He is able to humble those who walk in pride. Each time Nebuchadnezzar gained a new perspective on what God had provided him. So what does it sometimes take, (laughs) or why does it sometimes take an humbling experience for a person to recognize God and to offer him our honor and praise that he is due. Nebuchadnezzar entered into a, a new phase of his reign and a new perspective. He recognized God's role in the making of him and to who he was. And he recognized God was the one true God and repented of his prideful actions. So how does honoring and praising God Keep a proper perspective in life. So remember the words I shared earlier of John Madden. Self-praise is for losers. Be a winner. Stand for something. Always have class and be humble. Nebuchadnezzar discovered the blessing of humility. So as we look at this passage of scripture, some clear applications are people must be aware of their potential prideful declarations. 
Second thing we see is God is in control of his creation, including the rise and fall of nations. And finally, God is worthy of honor and praise. So we close with just that. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Words of Thomas Ken, the doxology goes like this. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Lord, we do praise you. We glorify you. Forgive us in the moments of weakness when we tend to think the things we do, we do on our own strength and we lack the humility that we need. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. So whatever we do, it's not I but it's Christ. We glorify your name. In your name we pray. Amen.